Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm your host, Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us. If you've ever taken your pet to the vet for something more than just a checkup, you might be shocked at how large the bill will be. That's why more and more people are buying pet insurance these days. Here in Northeast Ohio, we're home to one of the leading pet insurance companies, Embrace Pet Insurance. Its president, Brian Macias, joins us. Brian, thanks for being with us today. Dan, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I have to admit, I'm familiar with insurance for animals like a thoroughbred. Rich racehorse owners take out their insurance there or, or farmers for livestock, but that's more of like life insurance. I did not know this kind of insurance existed. How long has it been around? You know, it's been around for about 15 to 20 years now and and don't feel bad. You know, I didn't know either. Um, I've been in financial services my entire career for the last 20 years. And really, I, I hadn't heard of pet insurance until uh, this opportunity uh, came across my plate. And, and it really has been a wonderful experience to learn about this. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's something that I think the biggest challenge of the industry is just the awareness that it, it exists. Um, and we're continuing to chip away at that day by day. So how should people think about if and when to get pet insurance? Do you do it as soon as you get a pet or do you wait a little bit? What, what's the decision process? Right away, right away, you got to do it. And, you know, here's why I always say you got to get in and you got to stay in. Um, listen, pets, pets are like human beings is, is we're never healthier than when we're young and when we're babies. Right. And every day that goes by, it's, you know, you're just, it's a roll of the dice. And so the way pet insurance works, Dan, is that we do not cover pre-existing conditions as an industry. Um, and really it's, it's to keep the insurance affordable for pet parents. And, and, you know, if you start including those kinds of things, it would likely become cost prohibitive. So long story short is, is you want to get in right when you've adopted your new pet or right when that new puppy is born as soon as possible. And you might find that you don't use it all that much, maybe even from ages, you know, one to three, one to four, one to five years old. But what we find is, is that come six, seven, eight, nine years old, people know it's not really uh, if something happens, it's just when, uh, you know, and in fact, one in three of our clients will use their policy in the first year. So um, people do use it. The key is get in, stay in. So does it matter what kind of pet you have? Um in our case, it does. At Embrace Pet Insurance, we insure both dogs and cats. Um, you know, I think overwhelmingly people lean toward insuring their dogs because if you have a dog, you know they're crazy. They eat things, they do things, they run, they tear ligaments. Um, they're just more prone to illness and accident uh, just by their behavior. Cats, on the other hand, are pretty chill. Um, but, you know, as, as people like my brother-in-law will tell you, is if you're dealing with a cancer or something like that and you love your pet, that can become costly too. So uh, we do insure more dogs than we do cats, but we love them both equally. Do all veterinarians accept pet insurance? You know, so this is the, a great part of this, Dan, is that this is a reimbursement-based product. And so what that means is go to any vet you want, anywhere you want, as long as they're actually a licensed veterinarian, right? Um, and based upon the product that you choose, so we have different coverage and reimbursement limits. You can choose 70% reimbursement, 80% reimbursement, 90% reimbursement, pretty common in our industry. And when you submit that invoice from the vet, um, as long as those are covered as part of our accident and illness policies, we'll reimburse you to that amount. So the neat thing about this is that, you know, in insurance, we call this portability. 
And that just means that you can take it wherever you go and, and wherever you are. So if you're traveling and you have an emergency with your pet, see the vet there. We're going to reimburse it. If you're at home, have an emergency with your pet, or you, you, you've got an accident or illness that you're treating ongoing, we're going to pay that as long as it wasn't pre-existing. So that's the beauty of what we've got is there's no network. There's no requirement to go to a specific veterinarian. Um, you know, you choose your vets, you, you go where you want and you, you do what you need and we'll reimburse you. Can you give us a rough estimate of what the cost is per year? Yeah. So you can piece together our programs based upon several variables. Um, one of those being the reimbursement limit that you would choose, 70, 80, 90%. You can also choose uh, your deductible as well. Um, and so based upon how you might piece together your product, there's going to be different um, cost levels for that. In general, a policy is usually between about 30 and 50 bucks a month, um, you know, anywhere from 360 to, to $600 a year is the average policy that we see. Cranes Cleveland Business would like to invite you to join us for our next virtual event on the 2021 calendar. Cranes will pay tribute to the top HR experts across five categories. Our Excellence in HR event will also take place virtually, free to attend on August 18th. Visit cranescleveland.com today and select the Events tab to register. With people insurance, uh, sometimes you go to the you go to the doctor and he wants to prescribe a procedure, and the insurance company says, "No, we don't want to do that." How how does that all work? Or is that is that ever become an issue? Um, very rarely. Um, I don't get very deep into the underwriting or the approvals within the business, but I will say there there are some patients, or I should say, some clients who are are going to take the con on getting things pre-approved with us. And there are some things we'll want to take a look at and say yes or no to, but for the most part, there would be a very rare thing um, to have that be, you know, a pre-approval that's required or anything like that. Um, we do an initial underwriting up front. We diagnosed any pre-existing conditions based upon the notes from your veterinarian over 12 months um, of, of that pet. And, and from there, once you've been underwritten, pretty much anything is good. With people, wellness plans are a big deal. Do wellness plans exist for uh, customers of Embrace Pet Insurance? They do. And, and Dan, they're so smart to get because the insurance, you know, insurance only covers things um, that are unexpected and happen usually instantaneously. Those, those are the definitions of insurance typically, right? Um, so wellness typically wouldn't fall under uh, an insurance plan because these are things that you plan for and things that you know are coming down the pike, right? That could include spaying, neutering, vaccinations, wellness visits, and, and things like that. So we have an amazing wellness product that you can pair with the accident and illness product as well. Um, and we find our, our clients find that it's a great planning tool for them. Um, I think the beauty of it is, is that, you know, you choose your coverage limit, $250, $450, $650 annually, and then you pay monthly, but that full amount is accessible to you up front. So I always look at it. Our, our CFO doesn't like when I call it this, but it is what it is. It's an interest-free loan up front to people at the very least um, that can help them plan and cover those expenses. And we find that people absolutely love it. And it's an important part of the coverage especially when you have a puppy. Have you, Dan, have you ever had a, a puppy? or? A no, I never have. We had cats when I was a kid, but no dogs. Okay. Listen, the first year, they just, they cost you a fortune. The, the spaying, the neutering, the, the vaccinations, all these things. And so we find that, you know, when people add that coverage on, they're just super thankful that they have it. So I think the figure is about 25% of pet owners have pet insurance. We both mentioned neither of us really knew about it. We certainly know more about it now. Is it just an issue that people don't know that it's available? And how do you reach those people? What's what's the best way to market Embrace Pet Insurance to people who don't know about it? Yeah, that's that's a great, great question and one that we work on every day. 
Um, one, one correction I will say though, is that it's actually not 20% of people who have it. It's only 3% of power. Oh, I, I read a statistic that was 25%. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. It's, no, listen. So there's about 86 million, 85 million households. Um, you know, of that it's probably 60 some million, some say 70 some million that are dogs. Um, and of those folks of those 85, 86 million households, only 3%, um, have a, a pet insurance policy. Um, you know, the industry right now stands at about $2 billion, which is very, very small. Um, I think there are a couple drivers of this. One, to your point, is just awareness, right? And just, you said it yourself. I didn't even know pet insurance existed. Um, neither did I. Um, the product is so intuitive. You know, it's growing. Now, one of the statistics that is close to what you said, that 20%, the industry is growing at 20% every single year, um, you know, and has been for the last few years and is projected to do so over the next few years. Um, so it's definitely a high tide and people are becoming aware of it. And I think that's really important. The other piece that's happening is, is we've got a lot of folks who are entering the space. Um, there's some folks who've traditionally been in the insurance space that we partner with, like Geico and Allstate and USAA, um, Amica and others who are very interested in getting this product in front of their uh, client bases and we're helping them to do that. Um, and that's exciting and that will help create more awareness. There are more insure techs uh, that are like Embrace that are entering the space. And as they enter the space, I think as, as distribution increases, so will awareness. But the biggest piece is, is this whole industry is following the trend of how people think and feel about their pet stand is that you know, when you and I grew up, I remember like with our family dogs, it, it was a struggle for my dad to even accept that the dog lives in the house. Right? Like, <laughs> Same here. <laughs> you go first and I'm going to talk after you. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's 81 now. Right. And so like, you know, he was born in 1940. And so for him, he's like, dogs live outside. They don't live in the house. So that was, that was a generational jump just in having dogs come live inside with us and share our living space. And, and now with every generation, it gets that relationship and that bond and how we think about our pets gets deeper and deeper. Um, and so like with my girls, Jojo's their furry sibling, period, right? Jojo goes everywhere that we go. Um, Jojo knows if we're packing up, she's standing by the door ready to go because she knows that she's going to come with us. She's on all the furniture. She's doing all the stuff. And, and so therefore, people want to deliver the same kind of care and treatment that they would for their own kids or their own family members for their pet now. Um, and so I think that as we continue to see that, you're going to continue to see this product um, gain popularity and people adopt it more and more. Um, and, and we've seen it. You've seen it through Chewy and you've seen it through their success. And so, you know, we're, we're also riding that high tide as well. And so I think just... The, the industry is trending the way it needs to. The awareness is getting where it needs to be. Uh, veterinarians are huge on the product. They love it. It enables them to make great medical decisions for pets without having to burden uh, the pet owner, the pet parent with uh, the medical cost or have them worry about that. And so I think as the vets are embracing it, pet parents are embracing it, the industry is growing, we'll continue to see traction. I just have to laugh. My father grew up on the farm in the old country and he said he just couldn't get over that a dog was for anything else but watching sheep. It was a utilitarian animal. You would never bring it in the house, right? I mean, so I just, I laughed to hear that your father felt the same way. For sure. Yeah. And, and so it's great. And that paradigm is changing so quickly. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know how active you are on social media or not, but I mean, you see this with uh, 
I, I might start to get the generations mixed up, right? We we think that millennials are the youngest generation, but they're not. They're turning 40 years old, right? It's like Gen Y um, is just beneath them. But if you look at them, they all have fur babies, right? right? And, and they think of themselves as pet parents. And, and that's the term we use too at Embrace and throughout the industry is pet parents. Um, but like, this is how folks ease into you know, taking care of something else or someone else prior to having a baby um, is they get a dog now or they get cats and they really truly care for and embrace this pet like it was their firstborn. And so I think that really is what's driving the industry more than anything else, not just pet insurance, but just the pet industry in general. Brian Macesis joins us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Brian, what are some sources of uncertainty in the pet insurance market? Yeah, that's a great question, Dan. There are a few things. One is, and we're tackling them very actively, which is a good thing. One is the industry is so nascent that there isn't, um, you know, a, a national kind of overriding law that oversees how we build our products, how we file our products. Um, there's not a standardization um, just yet. And so one of the things that's happening right now is that you've got uh, some really intense and great meetings happening between um, the AVMA, which is the group that represents veterinarians, uh, the NAIC, which is the group of insurance commissioners. So each state has their own kind of department of insurance. And there's a commissioner that sits on top of that department. And each state has a different way that they look at things and want to approve and regulate things. Um, and then you've got our group, which is called NAFIA, uh, which is the North American Pet Health Insurance Association uh, that represents not just insurers, but other folks who are involved in the industry as well. Um, and we've got these three groups who are coming together, working incredibly collaboratively to try and put a standard together that would help guide us as an industry in terms of what these regulators would like to see um, to make their lives and their jobs easier. Very difficult jobs for these guys uh, and gals all across the country. Uh, for the people who work for us, who are in charge of building and filing and pricing our products, it will make their lives a lot easier. And the goal is always to take great care of the consumer. Right. And make sure that we're actually putting a product out there that serves a need that benefits the consumer, that benefits the pets. And all of that is being taken into consideration. Um, and with the vets being involved, I think this is so key. Right. They're the ones on the front line. They are the ones who should be and are making the medical recommendations for pet parents and for the pets. And we want to make sure that we're in a place to best support them as well. And so it's really a neat thing to see. So I think there was some uncertainty in that. Before, you didn't necessarily have the alignment you needed between all of the stakeholders. And that's starting to grow, which I really like, and it's headed in the right direction. Uh, Rick Foucher, who's the president of NAFIA, is doing such a tremendous job with it. Uh, and the folks around that committee are doing a great job, too. The second um, that creates a risk, and you know, where they say every rose has its thorn, um, if you're a poison fan, at least, uh, is that uh, you, you've got a lot of competition entering the space. And listen, we live in the United States of America and competition is good. And I believe in that. And, and we benefit from it, too, because when competitors enter, they do smart, intuitive, innovative things that we can copy and we can adapt and we can use, too. And so it's great to have those folks enter. The downside of it is, is that sometimes their hearts aren't always in the right place. You know, they look at it from a business perspective and say, there's this high tide, there's all this money to be made. There's this very low penetration of the product. Like you and I just talked about, it's a 3% adoption rate right now. So they see this blue sky or green field and they're like, we're going to make so much money. And they don't come in with the, the client in their focus. They come in with profit in their focus. 
This insurance is a game of paying claims. People get insurance because they want to make sure that if something happens, God forbid, that the company they choose is going to be there for them at that time. And one of the things that creates uncertainty or scares me a little bit, just as a nascent industry, um, is there the potential for bad actors to taint the industry in general? Right. And, and we're at a place where we're starting to get traction is, is that is a risk that I do worry about that if some of the people who are entering with dollar signs in their eyes aren't taking the responsibility seriously enough, it, it could hurt us as an industry. Let's talk a minute about Embraceable, the company. You guys have done a lot of innovative things, certainly in this last year or so. The notion of working from home and having a, a flexible workplace has been something that we've all seemed to have adopted, but that's been something that's been going on in Embrace since 2006. Why were you such an early adopter of the notion of a flexible workplace? Yeah, you know, thanks for asking that question. I, there's a lot of things, Dan, that drove that. I, first and foremost, I've got to credit the founder of Embrace, Laura Bennett, who just is really a great human being, just like super heart, very kind, very smart. Um, and she, when she founded this business, she found it on some, you know, six main core values um, that the company to this day continues to drive. You know, everything we do is rooted in our culture and in those core values. They're overt. We recruit with them, we hire with them, we recognize and reward with them, and we make strategic decisions in all tactical decisions too, based upon those core values. Um, and one of the things that I learned very early on at Quicken Loans is that, you know, culture is everything. And it's not, these aren't things you do, it's who you are, right? And so I think if you just looked at, you know, we, we approach every situation and who are we and what do we believe in? And let's make the right decision, even when it's a hard decision to make. And so I think that starts with, you know, prior to the pandemic, we were a hybrid work environment. We just found that I think above all things, people value agency over their time, over themselves, over their actions. Um, and I think that if you really recruit and hire right, and you, you bring people on who match the, the core values of the organization, if they seek innovation, they're passionate, if they're customer fixated, if they believe in giving back to the community, if they take a high level of personal responsibility, when you hire people who embody these things, they can do that from anywhere, right? And and we found that to be true. So now, listen, Embrace has a lot of the things that other cool companies have, right? We have the ping pong table. No one ever uses it, really. We got it. <laughs> You know, we got the keg. We've got we got fat heads on tap. We got oh, Bumbleberry. We got are you guys hiring? You know, Sunshine Daydream. <laughs> are you a fat heads fan? Oh yeah. I love it, man. I uh you know, so we, we have that stuff. You bring your dog to work. We love it. We're a pet insurance company. People bring their dogs. People know the dogs' names sometimes more than they do the team members. Um so all those things I think were fun and they were cool. But I, I think just like with being individual human beings. Happiness and fulfillment doesn't come from fun. I think sometimes people confuse fun with happiness. And, and sometimes when people chase fun or they chase pleasure, they still find themselves being unfulfilled or unhappy, right? And I think that like the team has done a very nice job of build, building a fulfilling culture where people can be who they are. And I think that's the biggest piece. We trust our team. We want to give them the agency. We believe that they're bought in, that they trust us. They hold themselves accountable and deliver results. And because of that, the transition from a hybrid work environment, prior to the pandemic, we were three days in the office and two days at home. It was really easy for us to just pull the trigger, send everyone home. It was like 
March 10th, 11th or 12th that we did this, we made the decision and within an hour, it was like, hey guys, just don't come in anymore, right? Everyone already had a laptop. Everyone was already comfortable working from home and it was the right thing to do. And Dan, the cool thing was, is it just, it was a great case study in kind of affirming what I'd always believed that culture isn't about the ping pong table or the keg or bringing the dogs in. It's, it's about the, these tangible core values, people believing in them and living them and finding fulfillment in them. And that can be done from anywhere. And, you know, listen, the proof was in the pudding. We had our best year last year in 2020. We, we grew faster than we've ever grown. Uh, you know, we pushed our way in, into the top of all pet insurers last year, and we continue on this ragged pace that we're on. Uh, the, the strategy, the execution, everything was so good from the team. And I'm just, I'm so proud of them. And I, again, I just have to credit Laura Bennett as the founder in laying that groundwork so that when I came in, you know, almost two years ago, it was really easy to just say, we've got what we need in place. Now it's time to just add gas to this thing and push the pedal down. And so long story short, the team did it from home and they did a phenomenal job. During the pandemic, a lot of people adopted pets. Is this was the system ready for that? Is there enough health care for those pets? Um, you know, are, were people prepared to do that? I mean, a lot of people did it, but were they really ready to do it? <laughs> uh, yes and no, right? Uh, you know, you hear this all the time. A pet is a big responsibility. They're one hundred percent relying on you, and they do stuff. They eat stuff. They, you know, they like we talked about. They tear ligaments. They do these things. So. Yeah, there was a pet adoption boom that we can see clearly in our data uh, that started taking place at the end of April and May, June, and July were just gangbusters. People were adopting pets. Um, we know the shelters were empty, and our industry benefited from that as well, as, as the whole pet industry did You know, overall, whether you're Petco or Chewy and others. If you were involved in the pet industry, uh, that was a very good, you know, three month stretch. Um, and so I, I think it was great because one, we cleared shelters out. I mean, that's, that is the goal of anyone in the pet industry is let's stop putting animals down because they're not being adopted. Let's get animals adopted. And that happened. And that was a wonderful thing to see. And it continues to happen, which is really great. A lot of people adopted pet insurance. If you look at our industry, NAFIA reports on this, it's clear people who adopted, not all of them, we still have a very low penetration rate, but we as an industry had a tremendous run last year overall and specifically in those three months. So clearly the people who are adopting believed in pet insurance. Um, you know, where people might not be ready is that, you know, we live in a fluid situation right now. You know, you had asked about, you know, sending people home and having them work home during the pandemic. Well, we started encouraging people back to the office, not requiring it. It's not mandated. We have team days, you know, so we've got a uh, service on Tuesday, Wednesdays, claims, and Thursday is like finance, marketing, uh, sales, and others come in. And, and so if you want to come in and you want to be around people and you want to work from the office and you want to collaborate, you'll know when your team is in so that you can increase your odds of running into people and probably having a bumbleberry as well. Um, but with that, other companies are doing the same. And so one of the major challenges moving forward is how will pet parents fare going back to work, right? And what will become of that pet? And will there be dog walking that needs to happen? You know, people caring for the pet and feeding the pet. Um, do we run a high risk of people returning pets to shelters? Um, you know, and so these are things that are on our mind as an industry and, and you can read about it in the press too, and things that we are concerned about. One of the cool things that we see happening though, is that employers are recognizing this and just like embrace, they're saying, bring your pet to work, you know? And so I think that there are things that we can do that will help. 
Now, the other piece to your question is, and this is a little self-serving, is that these pets are expensive, Dan. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that said, I wish I met you, you know, six months ago or a year ago before I spent three, five, eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars on something that happened with my pet, right? They ingested something, they tore a ligament, they have terrible IBS, um, they're diabetic. I, I mean, they require aqua therapy for something that happened. And this, this is probably the biggest risk out there for pet owners is that if you are not insured, most Americans don't have more than $1,000 in their rainy day fund. And I just said three, five, six, eight, ten thousand $10,000, right? They're not prepared for that. And if they don't have pet insurance, they're going to be forced with a terrible situation and a terrible choice. Is it, do I put it on a credit card because I love this animal and put myself in horrific financial debt? Or do I, God forbid, put the pet down, right? And so these are risks that I think maybe not everyone has considered. And I think that, again, the, the, the scary thing is it's not really if, it's when, when it comes to pets. Um, and so that's why I'm such a proponent of what we do in our product and our industry in general. Listen, Embrace is the best. I think we're the best. But if, if you were to go get insured by Nationwide or Trapanion or Figo or anybody else, good. I think that's great too. Um, you know, the second piece was, were we ready? You know, was was the business community ready for this? I'm proud to say that Embrace, we were, right? Like we we were in a position, we just believe that it's about delivering on the promise. Insurance is two things. It's making the promise, and that's in the marketing and the sales, and it's keeping the promise, which is in your service and your claims team. And the keeping the promise is the most important part. Anyone can make the promise, right? And there's a lot of insurance companies out there today that you know, they, they think that really the silver bullet is how cool can you make the enrollment process and how kitschy can your name be and how smooth is the technology and does your bot have a fun name? That's all fine and good. Um, we have those things too, but it's really about, you know, this is an industry where 90% plus of people are going to make a claim. And are you ready to take that claim on, to adjust that claim and to pay it fairly? And I, I think that that worries me about the industry again and that I I think that most of us are and have done a nice job, but I think that there are some bad actors that we need to worry about that are good at making the promise, but man, they got to keep the promise. So I think those two things, both from the pet parent perspective and an industry perspective are some things that, again, you know, I would consider to be risks or, or to your question, you know, things that were we necessarily prepared for this. Thanks so much for sharing the story of Embrace Pet Insurance. It's fascinating and growing industry. Glad to find out more about it. And wonderful. It's a big success here in Northeast Ohio. We're always glad you can join us. Thanks for being here. Dan, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. And thank you for joining us for the Landscape of Cranes Cleveland podcast. On behalf of our producer, Cody Smith, I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks again for joining us and we'll talk again soon.